Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. And tonight we're in Genesis 44, as I mentioned. We're going to continue the story of Joseph. And the title I'm going to use tonight for our chapter is The Silver Cup. The Silver Cup. So Genesis 44. As we've looked at the story of Joseph, we know the brothers sold him into slavery, and uh, Joseph had been elevated now to the viceroy, basically, of Egypt, or the prime minister of Egypt. The brothers came because there was a famine in the land, and they came to Joseph. Unbeknownst to them, it was Joseph, and he was in the Egyptian garb, and he wasn't known to them. And they came, and they bowed before him, and he supplied grain to the brothers. But when he did, remember that he made some charges. He recognized them. They didn't recognize him. And he accused them of being spies. He said, you've come to spy out the unprotected parts of the land and and so forth. And they said, no, 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 no. And they told their family story a little bit. And and finally, they went off. And when they left the first time, after uh, everything that they went through, one of the things that happened was that they discovered that the money was still in their sacks. And they were a little startled by all of this. And they sensed that God was working in, in all that was going on. They went home, and uh, they told the story to their father about all that had gone on. If you want to just take a peek back at uh, Genesis 42, look at verse 21. Genesis 42:21. Then they said to one another, Truly we are guilty concerning our brother, because we saw the distress of his soul. When he pleaded with us, yet we would not listen. Therefore this distress has come upon us. Notice that they're going to sense God in the whole thing. Reuben answered and said, Did I not tell you, do not sin against the boy? You would not listen. Now comes the reckoning for his blood. Skip down to Genesis 42, verse 28. 42:28 says, Then he said to his brothers, My money has been returned, and behold, it is even in my sack. And their hearts sank, and they turned trembling to one another, saying, What is this that God has done to us? Skip ahead to Genesis 43. Look at verse 14. And may God Almighty, this is now when Jacob is going to allow them to go back for the second time. God Almighty is El Shaddai. It means He's the God who's the creator and controller of life. May He grant you compassion in the sight of this man or of the man, that He may release to you your other brother, Simeon, and Benjamin. And as as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Now what's been happening is that the brothers are sensing that God is working And even Jacob is changing because Jacob now says, okay, if I have to let go of my children and even be bereaved of of my children, then so be it. We drew the parallel to the book of Esther. If I perish, then I perish. There are many people learning lessons during this 20 plus year period of time. God is working in multiple people's lives on multiple levels. And that's always what God's up to, by the way. If I called each of you up here to share a story like Niran just shared or Logan shares, each of you would have a story about how God is working in your life. Isn't it amazing? And then we're often blown away about the layers that He works in our lives and the detail and the little things that we need to hear that we hear just at the right time. And that blows us away. But God's doing that all over the planet. Isn't that amazing? We have an amazing God. He has amazing power. And what drives what he does is his love for his people. One of the things that God is up to, just uh, to be reminded of this, is he is in the transformation business. He is transforming you and I 
into the image of His Son. He is conforming us. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, from one degree of glory to another, we are encouraged in Romans 12, not to be conformed to this world, but to be what? Transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are going through a metamorphosis is where this language comes from. This is the Greek idea from the Greek language. God is transforming us. He is changing us. He is in the chiseling and transforming business. And one of the main ways that He transforms His people is through, you all ready? Buckle your seatbelt. It's through trials. Transformation comes through trials. Oh, I even hate saying it. Because when I say it, I know it's true, but it doesn't mean that it's without pain. It doesn't mean that the chiseling process is not difficult and hot and hard. I mean, this is all the stuff that God does. And for the last 20 plus years, God has been working in the conscience of the brothers. And Joseph has been putting through them through the paces or the tests because he wants to see on a human level, if they've really changed. If they feel bad for what they've done to him. If their hearts have uh, changed at all. And you know, when we look at the book of James and we look at what Paul says, some of the stuff that James says, he, he says basically, you can say you have faith, but show me your faith by your works. Uh, a lot of scholars believe that James came from the show me state, and whatever state that is. And anyway, that means, look, people aren't going to really know you're a Christian unless your behavior follows your confession. Amen? You know, people often say talk is cheap, right? So we show who we are. One of the primary ways that we show who we are is by love. And what the brothers did was the opposite of love. They sold their brother into slavery, and they did it because they were jealous of him. They did it because he was Papa's favorite. And we could blame Jacob and we could say, oh, he was wrong to show favoritism. And that's always a problem. But we do know this. We know that the brothers could have realized that one of the reasons that he showed favoritism is because Joseph was the son of Rachel. And Rachel was uh, Jacob, uh, Jacob's wife, Rachel. That was his true love. So Joseph came from that relationship. So there was something special going on there with Joseph and Benjamin. Now, here's what's happened. So they've gone back to Egypt now. And they get, in, they get an invitation into the prime minister's house and they're all nervous, remember? Oh no, what's going to happen? They're gonna, they're gonna, there's people waiting in the closet. They're going to jump us. They're going to steal our donkeys. We're in for, right? But then all of a sudden, they get served a meal. And all of a sudden, the steward is saying, oh, peace to you. How's it going, man? Sit down. And they start serving up the food. And Joseph, who they don't know it's Joseph yet, is there and he's eating with the Egyptians, but he even gives Benjamin, do you remember? Five extra pancakes. Loose translation of the Hebrew, right? And they don't even mind. Hey, it's great. He's getting extra portions and they're seated from the oldest to the youngest and they're stunned. This guy's treating us so nicely. And uh, Kurt, you pointed out, and I think it was a good point that you made that chapter 43 starts with famine and it ends with feasting. That's a, a great way to kind of bookend the chapter. And all of a sudden, they have this great night, and they're having plenty of food, and, and everything's great, and their fears dissipate, and the morning light rises, and they saddle up the donkeys, and they're going to go home. And here's how the story begins. Then he, Joseph 44.1, commanded his steward, saying, fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, 
and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. So now Joseph is instructing his steward and he's saying, okay, I want you to give them all that they can carry and even give them their money back. And then he says, and put the silver cup in the mouth of the sack of the youngest, that's Benjamin, and his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph had told him. And as soon as it was light, the men were sent away with their donkeys. So they with their donkeys. So now they woke up after this night of feasting, had a, probably a nice, comfortable night's sleep. And they got up at first light, and they had to be feeling pretty good about themselves. Maybe they even congratulated themselves. Isn't this awesome? <laughs> we, know the, we know the prime minister of Egypt. He likes us. Why does he like I don't know why he likes us. Keeps asking about our family, right? We keep finding extra stuff in our bags. This is awesome, right? And so, they, as soon as it was light, the men went, were sent away. They, now we know how they travel, right? They, they, they got on their beasts of burden or their donkeys, but something had happened. That is that Joseph instructed the steward to put the silver cup in the sack of Benjamin. Silver is an interesting reference because silver it comes up in the selling of Joseph into slavery. He was sold into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. And it seems like everything that Joseph has done, making them, accusing them of being spies, letting them spend three days in prison, keeping one of their brothers behind in prison, um, all that's happened, he is taking them through, or as one writer put it, reconstituting what they did to him. And now he puts the silver cup in the sack of Joseph. I started thinking about this concept of silver and the, you know, what the meaning may be and at least one of the applications for us in Here's what Malachi 3.3 says. It says, God will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. That's Malachi 3, verse 3. We all know about the silversmith, right? And the silversmith puts the vessel into the fire and the dross gets what? Scraped off that vessel. And there's been stories that have gone around the church for quite some time, and they've been this kind of story that the silversmith will tell people that he knows that he's, fil- he's finished with that vessel when he can see what? His own reflection in it. And so God is in the, uh, the scraping of the dross business. And we all have our share of dross. Amen? Now that's not the language we typically use. We say rough edges. I got some rough edges, man. We, we know. <laughs> right? And God scrapes and he scrapes and he scrapes. And all of a sudden, this silver cup takes center stage. The book of Proverbs brings up some of this. I want you to turn for a second. Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. Look at verse 21 with me. So you have the Psalms and the Proverbs. Proverbs 27. Look at verse 21. It says these words. The crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold. Now, a crucible, my understanding is that's kind of the pot where they put the, the vessel in and it's got the, the fire. And, and it says the crucible is for silver, the furnace for gold, and a man is tested by the praise accorded him. Now, here's what this means. Now, sometimes we think that testing comes in the difficult times of life, traffic and arguments with people and that kind of thing. And that's true. But you're also often tested by the praise that you get when someone gives you a compliment. Amen? They might say to you, oh, you do one. Oh, you look great. Oh, and you, oh thank you very much. Uh, right? 
And if you get an inflated head when you get you know, praise, you've got to kind of watch out for that. A man is tested by that. Proverbs 17.3 says, The refining pot is for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests hearts. Um, look at verse 22. It says, Though you pound a fool in a mortar with a pestle, along with crushed grain, yet his folly will not depart from him. It seems like you, know, you can beat a fool up and kind of smack him around, metaphorically speaking, and he doesn't seem to get it. Then it says, Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance and this is Living Truth Radio and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. Look, life is a series of lessons. And one of the things that we realize about God is that God is always putting us through tests. He puts us in the crucibles of life. Why? To shape us, to mold us, to scrape the edges, rough edges off of us, and to put His image more deeply into us so that we will shine more for God. In the last 20 plus years, that's what God's really been doing in the conscience of the brothers. Joseph's been getting the favor of God, and God's been working on Joseph, he's been working on Jacob, and he's been working on the brothers as well. And it comes out in this story that they've been thinking about what they've done. They've been thinking about the wrong that they did to, to their brother. They've been thinking about when he was crying out to them and how they did not hear his cries but still sold him into, into slavery. Back to Genesis 44. And so Joseph has been setting up his own series of tests, and I would say largely guided by God, to see where the brothers' hearts are, and they need to see where their hearts are. Sometimes when we're going through a test, it's not, this is always true because God doesn't need to learn anything, but oftentimes it's for us to see where we're at. It's a good way to measure where you're at. Are you responding differently today than you did 10 years ago? Do you respond differently today to crisis and trial? Has God showed up enough times in your faith journey where you can say, the next time this happens, I'm going to calm down a little bit. I'm not going to freak out and stress out as much. Well, here's, here's where the testing comes. So this is 44.4 back in Genesis. They had just gone out of the city, so off on the donkeys they go. Their bellies are filled. They're feeling good. they got grain in their bags. They were not far off when Joseph said to his house steward, Up! Follow the men. And when you overtake them, say to them what I have say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? So he tells them, overtake them. He tells them, I'm going to give you the speech. Here's what I want you to say. Why have you repaid evil for good? Now, each time that you see Joseph setting something up, it's kind of like you got to ask a question. Does this, does this intersect to how Joseph felt and what they did to him? And I think it's true. I think Joseph. Uh, when he looked at what his brothers did to him, he was thinking, why did they repay good for evil for good? Why, what was it that they found in me that was so bad? And they had a perspective about Joseph that got, I think, worse and worse as they talked. 
And some of it was centered around Joseph's cool coat of many colors. Remember that? They didn't like that so much. And then they said, then they didn't like his dreams. Remember over uh, Cheerios one morning and he shared the dreams, right? Your, your, your grain bowed down to mine, that kind of thing. They didn't like that. And then they said, then he came, here comes that dreamer, right? He had given a not so good report about them to his dad. He had checked on them in the field and he had not given a real positive report. But let me ask you this question, just thinking about what you know about Joseph. Do you think what he reported to his dad was true? I think probably we could assume it was. I think he was probably honest with his dad. Uh, their dad, they're kind of messing around a little bit. They're not really working too hard. Joseph seems to be an honest man, but they didn't appreciate his honesty. You have anybody around you who doesn't really appreciate your honesty? You give honest reports about things. That really cramps some people's style when you're honest, right? Not, not you know, a lot of how the world works is not an honesty. And so, is not this the one from uh, which my Lord drinks and which he indeed uses for divination? We'll come back to that. This is the speech now that Joseph's giving to the steward. It hasn't happened yet. You have done wrong in doing this. So he overtook them, verse 6. Now it happens. He chases them down and spoke these words to them. He gave the speech in verses 4 and 5. And he said these words. He says, why have you repaid evil for good? Why have you taken the silver cup that belongs to my master? He gave the speech and it had to shock them. Because they were cruising back home, feeling good, and all of a sudden, they get run down. And I would imagine it was the steward along with probably some armed forces from Egypt just in case there was problems with the brothers. And they chased him down. And all of a sudden, he spoke the speech. And they said to him, verse 7, Why does my Lord speak such words as these? Man, you were a cool dude when we were in the house before. You were saying, Shalom, cool. God's with you. I know you gave the money I gave back to you. Your Lord's with you. Everything's cool. What's changed? What's going on? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks, we have brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Excellent logic. Thieves do not voluntarily return stolen items. At least as far as I know. Right? They, they were kind of like, come on, Mr. Stewart. I mean, we brought back the money and it turned out that you gave us the money on purpose. If we were thieves, we wouldn't have done that. We have a good thing going on here. The big guy, your boss, seems to like us. We had dinner. We hung out together. We had some laughs. We brought your silver back. You blessed us. What's going on with these accusations? Verse 9. With whomever of your servants it is found. Now look at this. Let him die. They're pretty confident that nobody's taken anything wrong. And we also will be my Lord's slaves. Now, have you ever been in a situation where you're pretty confident about something and you make, make a declaration that you come to regret? Well, that's kind of what's going on here. You know, there, there are uh, people, and I think well-meaning sometimes, this happens to young Christians. Young Christians are trying to break old patterns. So they make a declaration which turns into an oath. Okay, God, uh, I'm tired of going back to that old sin, so here's what I'm going to do. If I do that again next weekend, I will give all my vehicles away to charity. And then, they're in line next weekend. And then they look at their car. And they say, oh no, what have I done? Can I just make a biblical recommendation? Don't make any oaths like that. You don't need to do that. Just let your yes be yes, and your no be no, 
And when you make a dumb mistake, repent of it quickly and get back on track. But don't start making declarations up to the heavens about children or vehicles. <laughs> and he said, okay, verse 10, let it be according to your words. The guy who has the silver cup will die and the rest of us will be your slaves. That's how confident we are. Okay, said the steward. Now the steward knows something they don't know, right? He with whom it is found shall be my slave. Now he kind of changes it. You guys said he would die. But I'll tell you what. The one in whom the silver cup is found, he'll be my slave. The rest of you shall be innocent. But they weren't innocent, were they? They were guilty. They weren't guilty of stealing the silver cup. That was a plant. This was a setup. We all know that. But they were guilty of something else. They had sold their brother for 20 pieces of silver. They had elevated silver above his life. They had let jealousy rule the day. Then they hurried. Each man lowered his sack to the ground, verse 11, and each man opened his sack. They were quick to want to show their innocence. They were hasty to prove the steward's accusation was wrong, so they lowered their bags to the ground, opened them up for inspection, and he searched, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And... We'll get to the end of the verse in a moment. But they started with Reuben's bag. Reuben was the firstborn. The steward found nothing. Reuben probably stood up, crossed his arms, and went, See? I told you. Then next was the ex-con Simeon. He had just gotten out of prison, so if anybody stole it, it was probably Simeon, right? Ex-convict and all. <laughs> well, they opened his bag and nada. Then they went to Levi. Nothing. To Judah. Nothing. They came to Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Again, there was nothing. No silver cup in here. All eight stood frowning righteously, says one writer. Next was Issachar and Zebulun. No silver cup. Ten of the eleven brothers sitting there, maybe frowning a little bit. Can you believe this guy? I don't you ever been in a situation like that? can't believe they would have choose me. Yeah. But then... They opened the sack of Benjamin. And inside the youngest sack was a shiny object. I'm sure when the sun hit it, they had to be horrified. Because this was the kid that dad didn't want to let go. This was the other son that he had remaining from the, his true love, Rachel. And he released him. He said, if I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. And all of a sudden now the silver cup is in the bag of the youngest. The last bag search belonged to Benjamin. And the silver cup was inside. It is when the cup is found in Benjamin's sack, says F.B. Meyer, that he too is brought to the feet of Jesus. You know, there's a lot of people that don't quite understand that we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. Maybe for Benjamin, he was thinking, man, I, I'm, the, I'm the youngest. I'm, I'm the one that dad, you know, his life is attached to mine. And sometimes we think, oh, you know, there's certain people that may not need Jesus. They're pretty good people. Uh-uh. The Bible says we, are, we have all sinned. We all, what? Fall short of the glory of God. We are all under the penalty of sin. And by the way, that Greek word there is very literal. The picture is we're all under the weight of sin, and that weight must be lifted off of us. And when that silver cup is pulled out of Benjamin's sack, it shows that he needs mercy. Whatever the cause may be, true transformation, brothers and sisters, can only come in your life when you realize you need the grace of God. 
There's a lot of people walking around our city tonight. They don't understand their need for the grace of God because they haven't been confronted with their sin yet. That's why when you're sharing the Gospel, you have to show people what sin is. I'm not saying you have to beat them over the head. But if you just throw out a few commandments to people, I think they'll realize they've sinned. For example, have you ever lied before? If someone says no, they just broke a commandment, now you can share the Gospel with them, right? Um, you, you know the commandments, right? Adultery can be committed in your heart. Murder can be committed in your heart. Uh, one writer says, our hearts are like an idol-making factory. We've all broken all ten of the commandments. Not once, but over and over and over again. we failed to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. we failed to love our neighbor, how? As ourselves. We all are under the weight of that law. That's why Jesus came. So the brothers, when they realized that it was in the sack of Benjamin, they tore their clothes, 13. This is a Jewish expression of mourning and anguish and even anger. And when each man loaded his donkey, they returned to the city. They tore their clothes because they were staggered by what had happened. Hey folks, when you're doing radio, you know, it's a little hard to tell sometimes who's listening. And we would really like to know if the program's been a blessing to you and has impacted your life. And here's how you can get word to us. Go to livingtruthradio.org, livingtruthradio.org, and in the contact form, let us know that you're listening. Let us know who you are, what station you listen on, how the program's impacted your life, and even how we can pray for you. That'd be a great blessing to us. And if there's something that you want to put there that we can use to encourage other radio listeners to say, hey, Pastor Michael, this is how the program's impacted me, and you are welcome to use this to uh, encourage other radio listeners. So that'd be a blessing to us. Go to livingtruthradio.org in the contact form. Just let us know who you are. Thank you so much. We appreciate you listening. Pray for us. Tell a friend about what you're hearing on this broadcast. And we'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. God bless you. Maybe you've been hearing these messages about becoming a new creation in Christ, but you're not sure that you know Him. Well, the Bible encourages us that now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And so don't put it off because the Bible tells us we don't even know what a day will bring. So trust in Him now. The Bible says that we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. You know, we see this reality in the scriptures of repentance and faith. Turning away from our sin, which is repentance, it literally means to do a 180 and turn away from sin and turn to God to do it his way instead of our way. And faith is a word in Greek which means to put our trust in, to entrust ourselves to Christ. Now, when we do that, we're trusting in his person, his finished work on the cross, and his resurrection, and and trusting in him and him alone for our salvation. And that's how you become a Christian. You turn from sin and you turn to God through Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.